Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think it's an exciting opportunity for us to now... Uh, sort of set off in a new direction, uh, play football and create an environment that uh, embodies the values and traditions of this fantastic football club. Bentancourt! Through for Pedro Toro, and he smashed it in! Oh, that's a great stop from Vicario. And Kulosevsky rolls it in! Van Davis! Lacelso freshly introduced and scoring! Now skipped! Pechaco Romero. He goes flying in again and wins it. Great work, Romero! Could this be a chance for Sonoma? That is quite something from James Madison! Hello and welcome to the award-winning Last Word on Spurs. If you're listening to the show for the first time, you can find us on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're across all major audio platforms. We are, of course, on X, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook too. And we are here during this international break, giving you a bit of a season review so far on Tottenham Hotspur. A little bit of an injury update as well as to where we stand, of course, at Aston Villa next week. And quite frankly, what these guys' thoughts are going into what we say is the next quarter of the season. I'm delighted to be joined by great returning their regular panellists, some of them, to last word on Spurs. Joined with me on my top right of the show, been a while. We've got wonderful Adam Osper back from Sports Finance. Ads, love to be back on Osborne Spurs. How are you, firstly? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now you are an award-winning silver medalist elite podcast. It's nice to be still considered, even though you didn't ask me to come out to collect the awards <laughs> with you guys last week. Um, Bless yes, you, mate. nice to be back. Nice to be back. Mate, always a pleasure. Let me introduce our next guest that we're pleased to have them with me to collect the award on what was now Thursday night. I mean, you guys will know as well as me, when you're getting a little bit older, these events and with the drink consumption going down, unfortunately, it takes three, four days of a recovery mode. Joining me on this show, alongside one of Adam Osborne, we've got the brilliant Patrick Tyron back on last one Spurs. Pat, you're looking fresh. How are you, bud? 
Yeah, I'm feeling fresh, man. You talk for yourself, man. I felt good. I had a lot to drink. <laughs> the next morning, as you saw in the hotel lobby, I was still feeling good, feeling fresh on the on the train back. But yeah, good to be back. I need this international break to hurry up and fast forward, man, because I'm looking forward to these next batch of fixtures. I know if you're worried, I'm not worried, man. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to getting back into the into the thicker things and let's see what this Tottenham team are about. But great to be on, Ricky. It was great partying with you and all the other guys and all of that, guys and girls. And yeah, man, Adam, don't worry. Next year, man, we got you. We got you, Ed. We got you, Ed. We got you, we got the gold, fingers crossed, going gold, I tell you. We were delighted to collect the silver award at the Podcast Awards, the Football Content Awards there, for best podcast in Premier League. Unfortunately, we lost out in terms of the gold to, look, you might not be surprised, we was in Anfield, so of course meant we lost out to the Anfield rap. Those guys are great at what they do, so full, full credit to them. Like I say, blessed for us to be there, great for us to collect an award. And I must just say, as always, again, I say it on many times on this show, it can't be possible about these wonderful guys you see on your screen, the countless amount of wonderful contributors that come on to last one on Spurs give us so much of their time and make sacrifices with family and friends. We greatly appreciate it. And most importantly, look, it's all you wonderful viewers and listeners that tune in, listen to last one on Spurs, interact after every game, give us love, sometimes give us grief. We haven't been saying the right things. You'll let us know for sure. And that's what makes the show so special. So look, it's by the fans for the fans and hopefully you guys feel that as well. So again, thank you so much for all the incredible support for last one of Spurs. I can tell you, we all greatly appreciate it. And look, I think despite what's been a rocky last few games for Tottenham before the international break, we've still got a lot, a lot to look forward to. So that is where I'm going to start the show. Ads, let me come over to you. So look, Spurs at present, of course, we go into the international break where we were two points off the top after 12 games. And I've got to say, like I said there in the intro, things aren't that bad at Tottenham. Context really is everything. Because I think had you offered Tottenham fans 26 points after 12 games at the start of the season, I don't want to speak for everybody because I don't like doing that. But I think the vast, vast majority of Spurs fans would have taken it. It's an average of 2.2 per game. I think if you you know capture that over 38 games, it would be 83 points, which quite frankly would be better than the six past seasons Spurs would have that would get you second or third place in the league. So I think given the fact that, you know, in the summer, we're obviously losing Harry Kane and quite frankly, the concern in how Spurs obviously were changing manager as well, changing style. I think had someone said to you 26 points at this stage in the season, I think many would have bitten your arm off for it. Of course, the last couple of games, Chelsea and Wolves haven't gone the way we've wanted. I think, you know, to add to that, unfortunately, has been the loss of Mickey van der Ven and James Madison. So I know many will find it hard to be optimistic right now in relation to what the next couple of weeks hold in store. But given the fact that we're 12 games in, we're five months into what looks like a really exciting project under Ange Postacoglu, how do you review, pack it all together in terms of what the last three, four months has been like in terms of Tottenham as a whole? Yeah, I think the reality is up until the Chelsea game or even... 25 minutes into the Chelsea game, our season had been almost perfect, didn't it? You know, we, we, we'd we been incredible in most games. We'd got some amazing late wins. Thing, everything had gone our way. We were playing brilliantly. And actually, I think if you look at Ange's previous clubs, and I think especially Celtic, he always actually started off badly, didn't he? I think he always actually started off badly and it took time for him to build. So actually, he started brilliantly the reality is at the beginning of the season everybody said we've got a great first team 
there's probably a couple of areas where we're a little bit light. Centre back, you know, I don't think necessarily Madison, because I actually do think you could cope for a game or two without Madison. But I think the way in which it all happened in the Chelsea game um, basically just unsettled everything. I think if we'd had a home game the next game against Wolves, it might have been different because we'd have probably got the win. I think, you know, I think I think when I came on here last time, I said the one thing we don't know about Andrew really is tactically how good he is. But I think actually in the main, his tactics have been pretty good. He's changed games a lot. I think people talk about the Chelsea game saying, should we have sat back and defended? If we'd sat back and defended, we'd have lost. I think when you, you've got nine minutes, like, you know what? You might as well just have a go. I think the Wolves game, you know, I, th- I think the thing that disappointed me a teeny bit in hindsight in the Wolves game was I'd have probably started Lacelso. I didn't really see why you would start three defensive players in midfield. I think you should have started, you know, someone attacking to sort of rep- replicate where Madison would have played. That would have been the only thing that I would have done. And then I think, you know, people talk about the end of the game, that the game management was quite poor. And Anne said, we'll always have a go. But I do think once you're on the pitch, it's up to the players just when they've had like a free kick a couple of times, just relax. Um, but look, overall, I'd have bitten your hand off, you know, 26 points. I think you said fourth in the league, two points off top. We've played, you know, Chelsea, Man U, Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool. You know, we, we, we're doing we're doing great. We just, the Villa game, we need to win because you can't, you know, if, if, you, if you win there, it, it stops that rot, puts that sort of behind you. And then we always beat City. So that's an easy three points. And on we go. <laughs> I love the way I just fitting that in there, right? I love the way. I mean, I think what's key is, as you said there, I think it is really important that Villa game because of where the two teams are in the league. And, you know, many may disagree on this. I think Villa will be one of those teams up there towards the end of the season via for Tottenham, potentially in a race for a top four spot. I know many still may look at the fact that our Spurs got a glimmer of the hope at a title. I think the next six, seven games are going to tell us a lot about that because they've suffered injuries to key players. And Pat, I bring you in. I mean, I think we all acknowledge now the fact that we are going through the first big test of the Postacoglu era. Big injuries. Obviously, we've had our first couple of defeats of the season. But as Adam says rightly there, look, we're still just two points off the top place in the league. Spurs have played mostly, you've got to say, with a real style, a swagger and aggression to their play, which has been a joy for us fans, given the fact of the recent years. I've said for me, look, so far, the only one low point, I've got to say, was the team crashing out of the Carabao Cup. I know some will say get over it because, um, you know, for me, that's the one thing cup defeats do hurt me the most. But I can't think of too many other things that I would really mark down against and so far. If I was to ask you, Pat, to summarise the start of the season, how would you, in your opinion? First and foremost, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, depending on what time you're tuning and listening to it. I love the fact that we've got Spurs fans and football fans connected from all over the world. The podcast is doing amazing things. And like Ricky said, it's because of you guys in the comments, tuning in, listening in, giving us feedback. I got called negative the other day and I'm not a negative guy at all. I just don't condone bullshit performances. And if a player isn't performing to the scratch and the level that he should be for Tottenham Hotspur, one of the biggest and best teams out there, I'm going to call it out. You know, not negative way, but just be honest about it. But I digress. Going back to what you said, Ricky, regarding the start of our season, I think it's been fantastic. 
I think it's been brilliant. The last two games, the fact that we lost them back-to-back, obviously is always going to add a bit of salt to the wounds when you look at the injuries and the suspensions. But if you put it into context, like Ads was saying, we've played 12 games, won eight, drawn two, lost two. We've lost the same amount of games as Man City uh, and uh, Liverpool. Sorry, Man City, Liverpool and Arsenal both lost one game. We're two points off the top. One point behind Arsenal and Liverpool. All of these teams are considered fantastic teams and we're literally within touching distance of all of them. I agree with what Ad said as well. We've just got to stop the rot now. We've got to beat Villa. It's a tough task because Villa are a very good team. They're one point behind us. Funny enough, they've scored the second most amount of goals in the league after Man City. So they're a very good team. But their away form isn't great. So that's our saving grace. Obviously, we've got players out. I think if it was, you know, first eleven against them, I wouldn't really have... I know football is football and anyone can beat anyone. You always respect your opponent. But if you had our strongest 11, I think we would beat them quite comfortably. With the team we've got now, some players are going to have to step up. So your Lasosas, your Brian Hills, whoever's playing that defensive bat line, I, I, de- I dread to think what the defensive centre-back partnership's going to be. But whoever's playing needs to play out of their skin because we need to beat them. If we beat them, we pretty much, you know, will be... Right up there with you, you know, we don't know what the other results are going to happen, but we'll be right up there and then we just kind of move on. At the end of the day, I'm relishing uh, the game, I'm really looking forward to it. We have to go through these moments to understand the team and to get through the other side. It's never going to be plain sailing, we were never going to win every game, otherwise, we'd win the league and be invincible. It's not going to happen. It's just annoying that the manner of the Chelsea game, you know, we fought valiantly to the end, but obviously, ultimately, we lost. The Wolves game was a bit of a, a shit show, really. The last 15 minutes, we didn't manage the game well. You know, worst case scenario, you leave uh, Molyneux with a point. They're a good team. They're playing some good football. And it wouldn't have been the worst result considering the team that we had out there, considering our backs were up against it. But it looked like the players basically melted. The players bottled it in the last couple of minutes, lost their head. You had players in the middle of the park messing around, people giving the ball literally straight back to the opposition. And ultimately, we were up against it and we, you know, we got punished. Um you know, lessons have to be learned by the manager and um, the players. I think both are accountable for what happened. Obviously, the players are on the pitch. They just need to follow and execute. But, you know, La Celso had a great chance and we could have snatched it then and there. Frustrating, I know. Like I said, back-to-back losses don't feel good. But when you look at where we are right now, considering everything that's going on around us, I think we're in a great space. But we just need to win. And I feel the fans as well. We've got to get behind the guys, man. Uh, you know, I think the travelling fans were fantastic, but at the end of the game, they did get a bit nervous and that nervous energy spread onto the pitch. So we need to back these guys, you know, to the hill um, at home um, on Sunday, make sure that they fully feel the love like they did against Chelsea. And let's just beat Aston Villa, man. I've seen a few rubbish, you know, some of some of the pundits out there, like we've lost two games and the daggers are coming out already. And I'm like, you guys never believed we were going to be a good team this year anyway. So now all of a sudden... Why is the narrative changing so much? But yeah, I think we just need to get another win under our belts and then we can just move forward, put this behind us. But going back to your question, I think it's been a great start. I think we've seen the best of Son again. We've seen Yadoji come to life. We've seen Saar come to life. Basuma, Vicario, for me now, everyone's saying that he's one of the best goalkeepers in the league. We've seen We've had so many bright spots and bright moments. The last two games, considering the injuries, suspensions and the losses haven't been great. But if you... Pack that to the side. I think it's, you know, a great start. And there's a lot to build off as long as we can get another win. Yeah, I, I do agree with you on that, Pat. I think what is really key is the fact that I think, Ad, you picked up on it there in your intro to us, that 
the fact that under Ange, the start wasn't always necessarily meant to be as good as what it has been. I think at Celtic, it was he won only three of the first eight. They crashed out the Champions League. I think when you take into account that for Tottenham, they had such a great start, which has already given them a really good foundation to push for at least a top four finish, which again, I think if someone said that to you at the start of maybe the summer, given the fact of the lack of the manager, the hurricane speculation, I think many will laugh at that fact. But, the, you know, the place where Spurs are in right now is still a good one. You know, it can be very easy to be lost in the media with regards to the last couple of defeats and that kind of take away the narrative of what Tottenham have done so far. Um, I do want to pick up on one thing you said, Ad, with regards to the style of play, because I think this is going to be a really, really interesting seven or eight games coming up here where Spurs are clearly without a number of their key fundamental players. And what I have seen in and amongst the media is the fact that can Tottenham really continue to play this attacking, vibrant style of football under range when they've got a number of key players missing? Now, I think what needs to be, I think, highlighted is that I don't think Tottenham did stick to the plan against Wolves in terms of the brand of football because I don't think they had the personnel to do that. You know, we mentioned the fact Dyer and Davis had started. And I think what you saw in that game is that Spurs actually were retreating, which was to the frustration of Ange because you heard him on the touchdown on a number of occasions say, get up in terms of get up the pitch, don't fall back. I just wonder, Ads, with those injuries now we've got in the squad, are you still of the opinion that Tottenham can still carry on playing this brand of football without their preferred 11 and the injuries to such key significant players in the team? I think, well, I think they have, yeah, they will, because he's not going to change his style. And I think we've just got to get through the next two games, really. And then once you've got Romero back, then you're missing, you know, just two players, whereas against Wolves, it was five, right? So that was half the team that was out because Ndoggy was suspended as well. So, so I think when you get to that, I, I think, I think, it will be. But I think he, you need to go like for like. For me, the biggest problem actually wasn't our defence against Wolves. It was For me, it was the midfield three. I thought Saar looked leggy in that game. I thought um, I thought Basuma was non-existent and passive. Um, and I thought Hoybieg, you know, I thought Hoybieg did OK. But, you know, they're, they're, you're lacking creativity. And I think that's why you need to have, for me, a Lacelso. I love Benton Kerr, but I think Benton Kerr is more of a better slightly deeper rather than in that Madison role uh, you know like a little bit behind Sanders so, so he can carry the ball up the pitch which is what you want which is what we didn't have against Wolves you didn't have that sort of pressing in the midfield further up and Lacelso actually does work quite hard and he can carry the ball up the pitch so I think that's what you'll see and I think if Ndoggy's back in there you know then you've got both of your first choice fullbacks who've been playing really well um I can't imagine us sitting deep. My worry would be, obviously, you know, the worry is with, you know, pace. You know, Ollie Watkins is very, very quick, isn't he? And if you've got Dyron Davis there, you know, in that game, there's no pace. But, you know, does he go for somebody like Emerson at centre-back? Or, or does he chuck someone like Phillips in? I've got no idea what he's like. But but for me, I think, as I said at the beginning, I think you need to be more attacking. He needs to play more attacking. I think with Basuma, Saar and Hoiberg, it's a defensive setup. No one really took control of the game. No one really took the game up, up, up the pitch, which is, I think, what Lacelso w- would do or Benton Kerr. But I don't know whether Benton Kerr is ready to start. Yeah, I think we have to see for Benton Kerr, you know, quite for a good reason. He's getting minutes now with Uruguay, which I think is really, really important. The fact that we do need that match fitness to come right back up. 
I think, you know, Pat, what is being alluded to already, you know, during this show is the fact that we have seen it on a number of occasions that some of these players that even when asked to follow instruction, they haven't done. Now, I'm not talking about a lot of the new players. I'm talking about some of the players that have been in and around Tottenham for quite a considerable amount of time. And I think, again, when you look back at the managers that have asked them to play a style, and we've had it before. I mean, again, people will laugh at this when, you know, you'd have Conte or Mourinho coming out saying, I've not asked them to play that way. They are just choosing to revert like that. And, you know, similar to Ange, where he made it very, very clear in his post-match press conference after Wolves that he wanted the players to be more aggressive, more brave on the ball. How do you feel, Pat? I mean, Adam said there, we've just got to get through the next couple of weeks. Are you of the same mindset that once we have got past these next couple of weeks, and quite frankly, we're going to be in a position where we do know at the moment as things stand, unless anything changes, James Madison, Mickey van der Ven, they're out to January at the earliest. Are you confident that we've got enough in that squad or those 13, 14 players to get us through until January and still be in a position that Spurs are in, which is at the moment just two points off the top of the league? Oh, you know what? That's such a tricky question because it's a lot of first times for a lot of these guys. Like the the fullback partnership or pairing is brand new in terms of, I know Poe came in January, but in terms of them starting together and playing the season, this is the first time. It's a tough one because realistically, with the personnel we have now at our disposal, they're not capable of playing the way Andrew wants to play. We've just got to be realistic. You saw Eric Dyer, you saw Davis, you saw Hoiberg. They're not dynamic. They're not able to push through the lines. They're not able to dribble and beat a man like your Romero, your Mickey van der Ven, or, you know, uh, the other guys are. But if we want to continue playing the way that Ange wants us to, they're going to have to take risks. Are they good enough to take those risks? Only time will tell. Uh, from the example and uh, and what we saw against Wolves, the answer probably, you know, you can see it for yourself. But I don't know, maybe Andrew's got to tweak things. I know he's never going to change his principles 100% and I wouldn't want him to because at the end of the day, a manager needs to live and die by your principles. But you also need to be realistic and adapt to the personnel you've got at your disposal. So maybe you don't want your centre-backs, you know, trying to dribble up and play through the lines. Maybe you have to tell... Basuma, I know he's not there, but sorry, Lacelso or who or Sar, you have to come a bit deeper and do what Madison did because people forget that Madison will sometimes float back and be where the centre back is and push, pick up the ball. He'll be on the wing, he'll be up. You know, he's got a free role. No one was doing that, and I really do think Basuma had that cloud over him where one more yellow card and he misses the game. He may as well have played through it anyway because ultimately he wasn't good and he still got a yellow card, so he misses the game anyway. So it's a double jeopardy. You might as well have played all out. And if you got booked, you got booked. But there's no point of being timid and crap and you still get booked and we miss him anyway. So we essentially missed him in that game because he was rubbish. And then we miss him in the next game because he's obviously, you know, he's suspended. So it's a bit, there was a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Saar was probably, that's the worst I've seen him play as well. Hoiberg, I had a lot of arguments with people online. I didn't think he was good. People at the stadium, I respected and I went to the game. They said they thought he played well. He covered every blade of grass. He gave us all. But come on, in the last five, ten minutes, you saw he made mistake after mistake and it cost us. So these guys have just got, in terms of, are they good enough to play the way we want to play? In a sample, in a, in a small cluster of games, yes, they can do it. We've seen Eric Dyer come in against Chelsea and be fantastic. We've seen Hoiberg come on against Chelsea and be fantastic. The, the game against Wolves, they weren't that great. But over a couple of games, hopefully they can pull it together. But over the course of a season, of course, I wouldn't trust them. 
the evidence and proof is in the pudding. The last two or three years will show you that these guys are not good enough. Hence why we've had to go out and get a Mickey van der Ven or a this guy or that guy, because they're not good enough. If they were good enough, we wouldn't obviously have to do that. So I just hope they're able to do it. I hope that they're able to just, you know, show some pride. Just show, not even pride, sorry. I think it's just show some discipline and just stay switched on. Because even if you check the goal, like Sarabia's goal, he wasn't trapped, you know. I mean, the finish, the touch, and the finish was fantastic, out of this world. But if a man trapped his runner, he doesn't. He's not able to do that. And then the second goal was just just laziness. Do you know what I mean? And then obviously he got a shot off and it beat Vicario. But yeah, going back to your question, in a couple of games, I hope so. I would. Do I trust these guys? No, I don't. But obviously, as a Spurs fan, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to go into the game with positive energy and believe that we can do it. Because if we as fans don't believe, what's the point? Why am I going to the stadium if I feel we're going to get beat? There's no yeah. point. But if I'm being honest, Ricky, do I think that these guys are good enough? No, they're not. Do you know what I mean? And, and you know, the proof is there. But I've got to believe, because if I don't, who will? And, um, yeah, I mean, worse teams have beat Aston Villa than us. So i just got to look at it from that perspective. You picked up on one thing there, Pat, that I was going to come on to, and I want to ask, add to this about Basuma. Because I think if one player at the moment signifies the slight shift down in the gears that we've had so far, as it is Basuma. Um, look, he has been, I've got as much of a revelation for Tottenham since the start of the season. Arguably for me, not only one of the best players of Spurs in the midfield, but one of the for the Premier League. But it does feel that Luton game seems to have really rocked him. Don't quite know why. Um, I mean, look, as Pat said there, there was a fear of picking up a fifth yellow card and getting another suspension, which seems to have really trapped the momentum in his game. He did a really good piece during the international break of just the absolute special connection he's got with Ange Postacoglu and really that no fear when he goes onto the pitch. But I think one of the thing I did pick up at is that against uh, Bulls at the obviously previous weekend is that he only created well, only had one dribble on that afternoon before, like I say, obviously coming off. And, you know, it's a guy that normally is so dominant where he's dispossessed twice, had three unsuccessful touches. Um, you know, some might point out that he was actually involved in a pivotal role in conceding Spurs' equaliser as well in the build-up to it. I just wonder, as do you have any concern or reservation over Basuma's form right now and whether we'll get that guy back that we saw in the opening six, seven games where, quite frankly, he was running that midfield for Tottenham? There, there are a couple of things, and I think Pat made a good point, which sort of leads into Basuma, actually, which, which I was going to make before, how Madison plays. Madison, as Pat said, he'll come back and take the ball off the defence or sometimes he's out wide on the right or left. He's all over the place. And his movement, I think, then helps Basuma. It helps that free up some space. Someone tracks Madison, Basuma does a little turn and, and, and bursts into space. But whereas what... You know, people criticise Hoiberg. I don't. I, you know, Hoiberg was the best of the three midfielders against Wolves, but because it because we lost and it was the old players have come back, he sort of took the blame. And whether he might have done better at the end of the game is fine, but he was better than Sarah and he was better than Basuma. But I think when you have those three players in midfield, none of them are creative. So I think none of them almost knew what to do, or they were sort of getting the ball and moving, you know, running with it and not, you know, looking for a Madison. And I think, you know, maybe maybe Basuma needs this suspension, you know, to to sort of stop stop him maybe thinking about getting suspended. I don't know. Maybe a game out will we'll, we'll give him a bit of a rest. You know, I think, you know, Pat made the point as well about, you know, the press are being a bit mean to us. I think the reality is when you're at the top of the league, 
in the top four, when you lose a game, it's a crisis. It's the same with Man City. It's the same with Arsenal. It's the same with Liverpool. And it's the same with like Man United. You know, that that's what happens when you're right up there. Teams that win the league lose three or four games, if that, all season. So if you're right up there, that's what you're basically judged against. And I, I don't think anyone's being overly critical. I think most people are just saying what we've been saying, which is we've got a great team, got a couple of subs, got a couple of key players. If we lose them, we're in trouble. I think the, I think the game out might do Basuma good. I, th- I just thought, you know, him and Saar looked a little bit leggy, a little bit tired. You know, they are they are quite young. It is a new team. You know, they're not going to be brilliant every single game. They're going to have an off game. But I think maybe, you know, it gets masked a bit when you've got like a, a Madison there who, who, can, who can who can take take the game and and, and be creative in his play, um, which maybe masks it. And I think I think it was more apparent to see that Bissouma was off form last week because that wasn't that there wasn't that Madison there. And then when we were under pressure, he wasn't really sort of smashing anybody and and sort of doing what he had been doing before. He 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 looks to me like a real confidence player, like 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 yeah. like last season when he was playing, you could see he was like in his shell, and he yeah. was like a little bit like that against Wolves. It was almost like he needs the game to start well for him, for him to have, be really confident. That that's what it felt. I'm sure he'll be fine. He's a, he's a you know he's he proved early on he's a top player. Let's not forget as well that these guys literally played half of the game with 10 men against Chelsea and then a third of the game with nine men. So they were absolutely knackered. Yeah. And we got and we got screwed by the scheduling as well. We played last as in on Monday and we played the first game on Saturday. I don't know why the turnaround for us was so short. I know we don't have Europe, but Sound like we, I know no, but it's it sometimes sometimes <laughs> no, these things can go against you. Know, like, they were knackered. They were blowing, weren't they? They were blowing yeah, at yeah. balls. No doubt about yeah, it. They, right. they were blowing. They were absolutely ran their pants off or their socks off on, on, on um on Monday night. And then the turnaround was so quick to Saturday, and it's an away game, tough ground, and yeah, I think half the just team out, it. half the yeah. team out, they're half the yeah. team out, and like you said, Adam, Sarah and Basuma looked leggy, and they were tired, and you know all these things add up, and they add up, and they add up, and it did cost us. Obviously, yes, we could have controlled the game better, but you have to factor these things in because no one's talking about it, but it is a big factor. The fact yeah, the, that so long with so you know two men down. Yeah, the the Wolves game is the first poor game we've had this season. You know, even the Chelsea game with nine men, I, I, I came out of the Chelsea game happy. I was like, you know, we we should have got a draw and we bossed them and we're in that game. And as Pat said, we gave absolutely everything. And at, at this level, you know, it, people don't realise, even if you're playing a Wolves, who people consider a lower team, if you're 1% or 2% off it, you'll lose these games because you're not playing junk teams they're good teams at all levels and at the Premier League if you if you're just one or two percent off it you'll lose it and Pat's right they were probably tied you've got five players out you know we can say Dyer and that aren't good enough they're not good enough but equally the other thing is Dyer's not started a game this season so it's his first game in a brand new system he's never going to be up to speed and where you want him to be anyway because he's not played and he's got no confidence and he's getting back into a new team and he's got no match sharpness. That's just a, that's just a fact, whether we think he's good enough or not. I, I thought he did. Okay. You know, people talk about the, the goal. I, the weird thing about Twitter is people like talk, micro-analyze the goals. If that was our goal, the first goal, people be raving about it. No one be sitting there going, well, he didn't track his man and he didn't do that. Sometimes you've got to say, do you know what? It's football. <laughs> you score a goal. 
<laughs> you, you're not going to defend perfectly every single time, all the time, and you can always find fault in everything. You could do that with everything. Yeah, it was a no. brilliant. It was a brilliant goal. You just got to accept it. I think the the concerning thing for me is that you make that point. Then I'll let Pat come back in as well on this. That my worry is that I think these players can give you a good. 70, 80 minute performance. But the problem is the game now goes on, as you guys have seen, 90, 96, 100, yeah. 110 minutes. And the problem is with that is that when you're asking players that, in my opinion, are unsuited to play a specific style of football, I think it's very hard to guarantee that you're not going to get mistakes in there. Do you see where I'm coming from? That is my biggest concern. We've, at the moment. We've, made, we've made mistakes all season. It, you know, We've been we've given team chances in all yes. games because we, we do have. play a risky style of football. But yeah, Van der Ven's done loads That's of last ditch tackles and stuff like that. So it's there. It's just a part yeah. of our game. I think playing at home will be a big big difference. The, the atmosphere will be good. The crowd will be on their side. That will push them forward naturally to attack and stuff like that. I think you'll play play a more attacking team. That that um, yeah yeah and I, and I yeah I think you know get a win against Villa. Um, start a relative. It'd be interesting to see what he does. Whether he starts, you know, if he starts Saar, Benton, Kerr, and Lacelso, you know, that, that that is a decent, decent midfield. That's a yep. decent midfield with a front three. You know, that's not that weak. I mean, we are going to come on to I say Villa towards the end of the show, but Pat, to kind of uh, conclude this particular section in terms of the start we've had and what we've all expected. I'm sure you agree. You know, it's beyond. You know, the expectations given, I say, we'll come on to what we did predict at the start of the season. And the way, obviously, at this point in which we've handled it, you've got to say, has been fairly admirable. The key will be now how we do handle these next two to three weeks is what we've said is without real key players. And that period of where, again, there will be that microscopic analyst now on Postacoglu and the way he does set up. Because, again, that is being analysed now game by game, right? And it's going to be interesting to see how now he's had a couple of weeks away to have a look at those previous games and think about now this next period of seven or eight, do you think Pat will see anything different? Because I think the interesting thing that Adam said there is that I think in every game you could highlight times in which we have conceded possession and chances. And I think this is me not being negative, but I do think, you know, at this point in time, which I think is an exciting thing. It's not a negative thing. I think we're yet to see a real 90 minute, so, you know, strong, strong performance from Tottenham. I think we've seen good periods. I think we've seen a good half an hour here, a good 45 minutes there. But I think we're yet to see a real strong 90 minutes, which in my opinion, I think it's a really positive thing because it means hopefully there's a lot more to come from the young side. Right, Pat? Yeah, but when you look at it, Ricky, if you talk, if you take that kind of viewpoint, I could say the same about every team. When I watch Man City, Arsenal, Newcastle, Liverpool, I'm yet to see a fantastic 90 minutes from, you know, when when a team is considered a good team, which Tottenham are now, and like Adam said, we're getting judged by the lofty or high standards of the other teams. Everyone's super critical. And yeah, I've not seen no team have a fantastic 90 minutes. Most teams that are good will concede chances because you do push on the front foot. You're pushing your centre-backs high up. Your midfield is higher up to try and win the ball back when you win it back. And you will create chances, hence why you rely on a good goalkeeper. And, um, you know, these things will happen. Mickey van der Ven has conceded chances, so has Romero. Obviously, the quality of those two centre-backs are much better. And more often than not, they can get you out of a pickle that maybe Eric Dyer or ben Davis, ben Davies can't. Adam made a good point. These guys aren't match-sharp and aren't match fit. And again, when you come in into the thick of things against quality players that have had 10 or 12 games on the trot, that will show. So um, will Ange change his philosophy and his tactics? 
probably not. You may have to tweak things a bit, and this is the sign of a good manager. You do have to tweak depending on who's playing. So maybe he does push the line a tiny bit further back just so he can compensate that, you know, Eric Dyer and Ben Davies aren't the quickest. Um, obviously, these guys do have to stay alert for the full 110, 95, 96. Um, and yeah, we just need to take our chances as well. I think we can be, I think Son is obviously super clinical, one of the most clinical players in the world. But some of these other guys have got to bury their chances when they come. Um, I think we do need to be a bit more decisive in the final third. Sometimes you see players not making the right choice. Kudaseski for me, needs to be a bit more selfish. I think he's a fantastic player. But sometimes I'm just frustrated, like pull the trigger. Like you're just not taking the shot when it's on. He always wants to pass first, which I love. I think he's a great player. But sometimes Kulu look for the goal. And he scored a couple of goals in the last couple of games. But yeah, I just want to see a bit more of that ruthlessness in him. I think he's a killer. I think he's so good. I know some people say he lacks pace, but I think he doesn't need it in the terms of how strong he is, how direct he is and how intelligent he is. But yeah, I just need to see a bit more from him now that you know some other guys are out. I think Brennan Johnson, no one's really talking about him, but he's looked sharp in every game I've seen him play. Fantastic in the first 15, 20 minutes against uh, against Wolves, but kind of faded as well. Just need to see a bit more from these guys. Um, you know, going forward, we've got enough, but the ball needs to find these guys. And that's where yeah. Adam said as well, the defensive three. I just think, I hope Ange gets it right. I think that will be the main thing. If we don't have a midfield that can actually find the forward line, then we're in trouble because there's no point having three defensive-minded kind of players there. We need someone that will actually get on the ball and create that link from defence to attack. Um, yeah, so will Ange change? He, he has to change it a bit. Of course he does because the players are different. But we also need to stick to our principles in terms of, I think, uh, shots. Uh, most, we've got the most shots on goal, or sorry, most shots, period. And I think we're second in, in terms of shots on target. So we're creating chances, but we just need to start finishing and burying these chances. And then, yeah, just be a bit more tuned on and switched on defensively and uh, I think we'll be all right. Absolutely. Look, what we are going to do, before we do go for that first break of the show, um, look, we always try and bring your comments into the show. Uh, Al Bennett says here, look, it is the same team that finished eighth minus Harry Kane. Uh, I think he says worrying sarcastically by the fact that, you know, when you look at the start Spurs has made, and again, we reference those points, Tally, so far, it's very hard to be too disappointed. But what we are going to do, we are going to go for our first break of the show for our listeners on audio. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hi everyone, Crackers here with your Legends events update at Mr. Cracknell across the socials for more information on the following. Friday, the 17th of November. Paul Stewart and Paul Walsh are at Worcester County Cricket Club. Saturday the 25th 
of November. Steve Perriman is at the Bonington Hotel in Dublin. Emerald Spurs events on Facebook for your tickets there. Through to December and on Wednesday the 13th, the Hot Spur Curry Club have the one and only Naeem in central London near Liverpool Street. Close Encounter dot events on the net for more information there. And finally, on Thursday the 14th of December, Harry Redknapp is at Dartford FC. There you go, there's your update. Come on you Spurs. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So as always, thank you so much for all your incredible support for this award-winning podcast now. We're joined by Adam, Adam Osper, back from Sports Finance, and the brilliant Patrick Tyrant. We're going to turn our attention, guys, to Spurs' injury situation and where we do stand in terms of what many have called as a crisis. Now, look, Spurs have enjoyed a terrific start to life under Rand so far. And, you know, I think the concern is that the lack of squad depth is one of those things that was going to really be the concern. And again, Ange is in a situation not too dissimilar to his predecessors where he's having to rely on some of the players that were under the likes of the Pochettino, Mourinho, Nuno era. Some at least now until January. And for those that are watching this show live, we have put out a actual listing of players there that Spurs have got out at the moment. So Ivan Perisic, Manor Solomon, Ryan Sessegnon, Richarlison, Christian Romero, as we know, is suspended. He'll be back with us in the next coming games. He will, of course, miss Aston Villa, Man City as well. But James Madison, Mickey Van der Ven, we've got a TBC there. We understand that will be until January, as things stands, as to when. There was some, I would say, exciting potential news over the weekend that was quickly shut down. Mickey Van der Ven's Instagram account did get Spurs fans excited and hopeful and positive that there might be an earlier return than scheduled. But as we understand at the moment, Mickey van der Ven is still on track for a January return. Guys, you've touched up on it already in your intros there as to come round to you. You know, we look at the injuries Spurs have got at the moment. How much of this is going to really eat away and disrupt Tottenham's start to the season and this next part to come, in your opinion? Uh, a lot, I think. You know, what, I, as I said, I think... I, th- I think I think we need you know if we don't get a win against Villa, then 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 I, I will start to get worried because then you've got City next and then if you if you don't get anything there then it's like a four game run without a win and then it does become a worry and I think for you know <laughs> it doesn't get much easier after that West Ham and Newcastle at least they're they're both at home but they're in quite quick succession aren't they Wow. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's difficult. You, we, you know, we need to get, you know, we need to beat Villa, uh, get Man City out of the way, have Romero back. You know, Sessignon being out, I don't think anyone even, I don't think that makes any difference. I think, you know, it's the cent, it's the centre backs and the Madison one, which is the problem. I, I do, I do think. Well, I, don't, I don't know actually. I do, I do think we might be able to 
hope for a few games without Madison if you can get Benton Kerr or Lacelso playing there um, and, and getting the team up the pitch. Um, but centre back is the worry. It was the worry before the season, wasn't it? If you get one of those two out, you know we're we're in trouble and we're short. I suppose you know when no one's really speaking about Ashley Phillips. Who knows whether whether he might come in and 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 and, and prove people wrong or not prove people wrong, but prove he, he can step in for a few games on the weekend. It'll be interesting to see. But any more injuries, we're in trouble. I think you know. I mean, but everyone said you know we we've known the whole season and pre-season we've got a great team. Um, we've got strength in most areas bar centre back um, and I don't think you know I don't think anyone expected every single key position to all get done at the same time in the same game within like a half an hour spell um, so so yeah we you know I, I don't know I think Solomon I'm not quite sure when Solomon was out for two to three months when will he be back that's right yeah Charlie? well again I mean there's been estimates of early January but I mean he's January as well as yeah yeah. Uh, that's an estimate at the moment but again you just wonder by the fact the lack of football whether they'll ease him in gently um, I think what again is interesting the upside, like, sorry the only upside to, to those fixture lists I think was four out of five of them are at home is it one two no three out of four are at home yeah so you know I'd rather be you know at home to West you know I'd rather have home games where you know the crowd will be up for it and stuff like that and you know that it'll be a good atmosphere Yep. So they'll get behind the team and we'll always be on the front foot at home. Um, yeah, and then you'll have Romero back for the West Ham game. So, you know, you get if you get Romero back, then 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 it's only really Van der Ven and Madison out. And I think, you know, as I said, I think Lacelso could come in and then and then you're almost full strength again. Um and, and I you know, we should be strong enough, you know, when all when all of them are out, which they were. You know, that is a massive problem when five players are out. You know, when there are two from your starting 11, you should be good enough to beat those teams, especially with our front three, when you've got Johnson, Son, Kulazewski, Lacelso, Saar, Bissouma, or Bentinker, then Doggy, Romero, you know, Dyer and Porro. That's still a really good team, right? That's not a bad yeah. team. That's a really good, good team. Well, I think you've said there, Ed, again, like, you know, when you're taking a lot of the spine out of the side, it's very hard to find consistency in terms of performances. And, you know, Pat bringing you in, um, I think there was a concern, I must say, that Spurs' injury woes could have been got even worse during the international break. We did see Hummin Son go down at one point during the South Korea game, which did spark fear. Although after the game, he said he's fine. Again, Sonny on the score sheet as they overcame Singapore by five goals to nil. Uh, worth me adding that Guillermo Vicaria, who still may not have played for the international uh, the Italian national team um, did suffer fever light symptoms and therefore wasn't involved in their game against North Macedonia. Another one that I need to add is Destiny Adogi, who again, I mean, look, there's been different narratives in terms of how this has played out in terms of this injury news. Um, it does appear that his agent intimated that Tottenham decided against the defender linking up with Italy as they didn't want to aggravate what was already a worrying issue. We have heard from Charlie Eccleshare from The Athletic who suggests that the doggy injury is not thought to be serious and the hope is he will be back for Spurs' next Premier League game against Aston Villa, of course, 25th of November. And as Alistair Gold also informed us that Adogi's absence in the Italian national squad is related to his recent injury and the fact that he wasn't actually called up was merely a precautionary measure. I think what's clear is, look, the agent tells us he wants to play. 
He's obviously very, very proud to represent Italy. I do have a concern. I mean, his agent does talk a lot. And so he's only been here for a short amount of time already, how that does play out in the future. But I mean, again, you know, when you start having those concerns about Vicario, who again, it's only an illness, um, fever-wise, that hopefully he'll recover from and Destiny Adogi, and of course, Min Son, that does just paint into life, Pat, doesn't it? I mean, the squad itself, the depth, we talk about the lack of depth, but, you know, suddenly you lose a couple more. We are really, really struggling to January, which is why it's really important, Pat, to, uh, again, try and wrap these players in cotton wool and keep an eye on them because we've got some really important games coming up where we're facing teams in the rounders, Pat, aren't we, to some degree at the moment? Yeah, I mean, for everyone that's listening on the audio, I just done a sign of the cross and I'm praying <laughs> to the football gods in the high heavens because, yeah, we, you know, we were called negative as in Ricky, myself, uh, Crackers, uh, Lee McQueen, because we said that I think our first 11 is as good as anyone can give anyone a game. But in terms of the squad depth, it's paper thin and we're going through that now. I mean, no one would have predicted this many suspensions and injuries all at the same time. But for in football, as we all know, Injuries and suspensions are a part of the game and you do have to prepare for these moments. And at the moment, we're not prepared at all. Hence why we're getting guys that played under all the other regimes back in. And yeah, we just can't afford to lose any more players, man. An international break will always do this. You're always checking every update, worried, like, what's going on? When I saw the pictures of Son rolling around on the floor, I was like, oh man, what now? But they said he was okay. Sonny's come out and said he was fine. We just hope and pray that he is okay. The thing is with Son is that Son will never come out and say he's injured until he physically can't walk. So I just hope that he is all right and, you know, he's not masking anything. You know, yeah, Vicario out with fever symptoms. Destiny Adoji has been touch and go, but we hope that the week in a bit, the rest will do him good. And yeah, we just can't afford to lose any more players, man, because otherwise we are in trouble, let's be honest. But um, yeah, I mean, Mana Solomon, the knee injury, he'll be back probably end of uh, January, early Feb. We just hope that, you know, uh, Mickey van der Ven and Madison aren't rushed back and that the process and everything they're doing, we don't cut corners because the last thing you want to do is aggravate it when they start running on the grass again or when they play their first game. So we just need to take time and, yeah, just fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed that we can get through this period because the games coming up are quite sticky. You know, this has happened at the worst time potentially for us. Villa, City. West Ham, Newcastle, those are it's a tough run of, uh, of fixtures. So, yeah, I, I think we'll be okay there because even when you look at other teams, like, do you remember there was a moment where Manchester United were going through a horrible patch and everyone's like, where's their next win going to come from? Same with Chelsea. Lo and behold, Chelsea beat us. Chelsea got a result against Man City. These teams somehow do it. And I'm just hoping that we can somehow do it. You know, everyone's written us off. But we as Spurs fans and the players hopefully believe and we can come through it. Because no, everyone's saying, oh, where's Tottenham's next points coming from? But we said that about Chelsea. We said that against about United and they did it. We're better than both of those teams. Do you know what I mean? So for me, I just feel that we'll be OK. But like I said earlier, I think the fans have really got to believe, man, and help us push through against Villa at home on Sunday. I just want everyone to be like there, just, you know, giving it all. Just treat them like they were Chelsea or West Ham or Arsenal and just get behind the lads and really push them on because we need to beat Villa. And Villa did the double on us. Last year, they did us dirty, man. They beat us home and yeah. away. They beat yeah. us New Year. I'll never forget it. I couldn't, because I rushed to get to that game and then it was fucking awful football. We got overran in midfield. John McGinn had to, was like literally playing like a world-class CM. We looked absolutely woeful and they beat us 2-0 on New Year's Day. And I was just sitting there like, wow, are we this shit? 
New Year's Day and we're getting smashed by Villa 2-0. So yeah, we need we actually owe them one. So I just hope we can return the favour on Sunday. You know, I mean, you say there, Pat, the concern is obviously Villa coming next. I know people laughed at me when I called it in the last show. And it's not the first time Adam's hearing it. I called it the High Line Derby. Um, Adam's probably thinking, what am I talking about, this High Line Derby? <laughs> I mean, given the fact that Eric Dyer and Ben Davis might make up that defence for the next game, Adam looks really confused by me saying that. I, I do wonder, Ad, you know, what do you think Spurs will do now in terms of that defence against Villa? Because it is a team that, you know, quite frankly, are refreshingly young. They are pacey. You know, I know they've not had the greatest form away from home, but, um, you know, normally Spurs are a team that normally sort that out for you if you've got a problem in terms of, you know, potential form coming up to a game. Do you think Ange will stick with the tried and tested experience of Ben Davis, Eric Dyer, or do you think he may be tempted, maybe tempted to look at Ashley Phillips, who by all accounts has played very, very well in the academy so far? And, you know, again, Dorrington, one that has been earmarked as one for the future. Do you think he'll be tempted at, or do you think he will stick to the tried and tested of those experienced players that, as you said earlier in the show, haven't had a huge amount of game time today and therefore aren't massively in tune with the way Ange wants them to play star-wise? I mean, I think, I think the team. You know, I think Ben Davis definitely starts. I thought he had a really, really good game against Wolves. I thought he was he made some last ditch tackles. So I, I, I don't know. Could you play Phillips? You could play Phillips. I wouldn't want to see Dyer and somebody new. That would make me more nervous. Um, he might chuck Phillips in. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Royale started centre-back ahead of, if if he was going to make a change. I'm not saying I think he should do that because, because I don't, but he has played there before and he does have a bit of pace. So, I, so it wouldn't surprise me because I've got no idea how good Phillips is or not, whether he's anywhere near ready or not. We've not seen anything of him. He's a prospect. So I, I don't know. I, I'd be surprised unless he's very good that he gets chucked in, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if if Royale played at centre back over over someone, I'm sure and Doggy will play. Um, and I, I don't think he'll change. I think you know. I, I don't think you know when you look at the team. You know, it's a good team. It'll be a good team when you've got Doggy, Davis, Porro, as I said, Saar, Benton, Curler, Celso, and then maybe your front three. It's still it's still a very strong team. It was the Wolves game where it was everything out, everybody out all together at once that made it really really crap straight after the Chelsea game. You know, at least they've got another week now. So those guys, he's right. I remember that new, that new year's game. Someone's just picked pick that up. I literally was massively hung over and like I literally dragged Ollie, my son, who's 11, who stayed up to one in the morning, he was <laughs> exhausted as well. And it was just sat there wanting to like slip my wrists. It was so yeah. bad. That, so that was boring. one of the worst moments. Honestly, that was one yeah. of the low points. Like, what, am I, what am I doing yeah. here? Like, Why am I killing terrible. myself? Yeah. Yeah, so I, don't, I don't think, I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't think we'll change. And just says we're not going to change. We're not all of a sudden going to sit deep. We can press. You know, you've got that front three people are dismissing that. We've got a very good midfield. I say, if you, if you played Saar, Benton, Kerr and the Celso, that's a really good midfield and a really good front three. You've got your main full-backs. They can cover round. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, could, I, I can't see him not playing Davis because Davis was so good last weekend. You know, could he chuck, as I said, Royale or Phillips in over Dyer? Maybe, but my gut feel is I think it will be the same back four with Ndoggy at left-back. 
which again, I mean, just adding a Dougie in there just presents a completely different defence, yeah. doesn't it, really? I mean, I yeah. think that's the one thing we really missed was the pace there, which again, with Tottenham, they tried on the day with the lineup to try and reflect and resolve, but it just wasn't to be. I mean, Pat, I think again, like as picks up on there, I think one of the key things will be that midfield decision that Postacoglu has got to make. I think many were quite surprised to some degree that Lacelso didn't get the start, given the fact that what have we kept him for? I mean, these were you thought the games where if Madison isn't going to be fit, then surely Lacelso's got to take that place. But I just wonder, you know, what Spurs will do, given the fact Benson Core would have by then hopefully had another couple of games under his belt for the national team. And I think he needs those games. I think, again, a fully fit Benson Core probably scores the header against Chelsea, not being too harsh on him, but I think he would do that, you know, in that circumstance. What do you think he will do with that midfield pat for Villa? It's obviously a week away at the moment. Bearing in mind, again, the Celso, Bentacle, they come through the respective games for their countries. How do you see that midfield trio shaking up against Villa next week? You know what? I hope he starts Saar, Hoiberg and the Celso. Even though I was harsh on Hoiberg, um, I didn't think that he had a good end to the game. I'd probably rather that, and I want the quality of Ben Tunker in the last 30 minutes where he could really cause them problems. I'm not sure if Ben Tunker is still ready to play a full, you know, 90 minutes or 65, 70 minutes, but I do think he'd be fantastic in the last 30 against a tired uh, Aston Villa who are maybe pushing or trying to hold on, and you've got that quality of Ben Tunker to come in and shake things up. Um, I thought... Uh, Lacelso is somebody who divides opinion. I think he's a great player. Obviously, I don't believe we've seen the best of him in a Spurs shirt. He's an enigma because whenever I watch him for Argentina or I hear about him for Argentina, he's fantastic and they love him and he, he does great for them. And the fact that he can get into an Argentinian team, one of the best teams in the world, and do so good shows that he's got quality. But for whatever reason, it never comes to fruition in a Spurs shirt. But when he played against Wolves um, uh, the other day, he was good. Um, and he almost scored as well. I just want to see a bit more of him. And I mean, he's here now. You don't really have any choice. You've got to throw him in and see what happens. He's, you know, there's never going to be a like for like for Madison, but he's probably the closest in that sense. So he's got to play, man, for me. So you've got to play him and see what happens. You've got to be trusted. You know, we heard a lot of rumours at the beginning that he was possibly edging for a move away because he wasn't sure about game time. Then yeah. no, other rumours came out and said he's happy to stay and fight for his spot. Now's the time. So show us what you got and step up. I mean, we need these guys to step up. They've got the quality. It's time to do it in a Spurs shirt, like I keep saying. Um, you know, I mean, there was, you know, he was getting bannered a, a bit because there was a couple of times where he passed the ball to nobody or passed it out of bounds, you know, with no pressure on him. But he, he's a good player, man, and he just needs to relax a bit. The fans need to give him a bit of grace and leeway and allow him to do what he's got to do. Um, yeah, man, I mean, that's it. I, I don't really, as much as we've got a good midfield, um, the options are quite thin when, you know, you lose a couple. Uh, obviously, Basuma's out, so, you know, it's kind of made Andrew's choice a bit easier. But like I said, I'd rather see Ben Tanker come in in the last 20 or 30. People in the comments, let me know if you agree with that. But I think against a more tired and Aston Villa team that are a bit open and trying to push, I think he would do a lot more then as opposed to starting the game. I think what's interesting, again, is that, you know, we touch upon the Celso because, I mean, the thing is, Ads, I think, you know, if he's not going to start these batch of games where Madison isn't here. I think he's well within his right to want to move, isn't he? Because, quite frankly, you know, providing he is, of course, training well and he's doing everything he needs to do behind the scenes to want to play, 
Um, you have to say you can't quite frankly understand why we kept him if he's not going to get given the opportunity to be a creative player in a role that Spurs need a creative. Is that fair, me saying that, Ed? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember being on this pod, I think, a couple of years ago, and I said, like, I held out hope for Celso for that. There was that period in lockdown where he had, like, five games where he was brilliant, and I was like, wow, like, this is a player. And then he's always been injured and out, and... I don't know. I think one of the co-commentators before the Wolves game made the point that maybe he didn't start him against Wolves away because he'd made so many changes to the defence that he wanted to make it a bit more solid in central midfield, which is why Hoybierg went in. That's the only thing I can think. He's also been injured. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, he, he played a lot pre-season. And he did well pre-season and he is like the like-for-like replacement for Madison. Um, I I want him to start because I've seen, you know, I said that player in lockdown in in a rubbish Mourinho team, which was defensive, in a fast attacking Spurs team with good players going forward on the front foot. I, I I I think he would do well. I'd be amazed if he actually doesn't start on the weekend. If he doesn't start on the weekend, you're right. We might as well just sell him in January because you've mm. got, you know, you've got you've got no no Basuma and no Madison. He's not going to get in. You yeah. might you might as well just sell him. It's just there'll be no point. I'd be I, I it'd be amazing if he doesn't start. You know, one you've mentioned Ed, the player that you wouldn't have been totally against seeing him start the game at the weekend is Emerson Royale. Any concerns that Emerson has slightly reverted to the player that we saw in the I first half a lot? Well, no, let me correct that. Let me correct that. Based on our options that we've got, you maybe wouldn't be surprised if Tottenham did opt to start Emerson Royale. Do you, are you concerned that he's reverted to some degree to the player that was at the first half of last season? Yeah, I mean, he was he, he wound me up so much in the Chelsea game when he came on because he kept on doing like flicks and turns and and it was just like, mate, you, you've been brought on as a fullback, like defend and pass the ball. Like you don't need to do stepovers and stuff like that. The only the only simple reason that I said he could potentially be an option for centre-back is because out of all of the players that can bet centre-back, he's the only one who's got any pace. Dyer and Davis aren't quick. So that's the only... And he has he has filled in there before in centre-back. Last season, a couple of games, I think. don't know whether, whether there was injuries or in the game. He did move into the centre. It was of a three. So I don't think he's the option. And, and I'm not a fan. And... He he frustrates me because he like tries to be flash when he doesn't need to be flash in really sort of crappy positions, and it's just like mate, just defend and you know you don't need to do little turns. But I, I don't I don't think he'll play. I think as I said, the only reason I think it could be is is is, is literally for a bit of pace at the back. But he has been frustrating. But again, he's not played all season, so he's going to have no form. Yeah, like last season he, he played into form, didn't he? Because he's playing yes. every week. Yeah. If you, if you don't play and you get chucked into a game, you know, you're never going to have any form. He's another one for me, though. I look at him, Ed, and similar to what you said about Pasuma earlier, I wonder just how much he is essentially a confidence player. I don't know if you, Pat, share that opinion on Emerson, that that guy does need a run of six, seven games to really get into the room to find the best of him. And I think based on the fact, I've got to say, I think Pedro Porra has probably been one of Spurs' best defenders alongside, we've said, Mickey van der Ven this season who, quite frankly, over the, you know, eight, nine, ten, eleven games we've had so far, hasn't really done too much wrong. I mean, you could argue that the position that Porro plays is a real of a gamble one where he is going to leave a lot of space exposed behind him. And therefore, there will be times when, when he's bombing up the pitch, 
he will leave gaps to be exposed. But if you're asking a player to play the position Postacoglu wants you to play, you are going to have to invariably play with that risk. So do you think, again, it's a difficult battle for Emerson to really earn a place in the team regularly, given what we've now seen really, as if you agree with me now, Pat, is probably really cement that place in the team now. Yeah, no, Pedro Poro has really impressed me this um, season. He has he's come on in leaps and bounds. And ultimately, you know, I was quite harsh on him defensively earlier on in the season. And yeah, maybe defensively he had never be an outstanding fullback. But as a wingback, he's fantastic. And um, defensively, he's been solid in a lot of the games as well. Like, you know, uh, against Wolves and against Chelsea, he was fantastic going forward. And, you know, defensively, um, people forget it was his assist or his cross uh, for the Brennan Johnson goal. He creates a lot of chances. He's a very good finisher, very good on free kicks and the delivery. Again, it was him that was whipping those balls into the box that caused Chelsea a lot of problems um, You know, when we were down to nine. Uh, I think he's a brilliant player, man. Very good player. He loves Tottenham as well. He's always there like with the positive Instagram and and and, and Twitter posts. Uh, he's always fighting for the badge. And yeah, he loves the fans and you see how much it means to him. And I think he's come on and... He's somebody who's very skillful. We can see how good technically he is on the ball, but he's starting to really get to grips with the pace and 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 the demands of the Premier League. And I think he's, you know, at his age, he's only going to get better and better. So it's definitely his his spot now. Um, Emerson frustrates me because, like Adam said, when he came on, and I think with Emerson, he's kind of got caught up in this whole like Instagram compilation type of moment where he wants to do stuff for the gram and for for YouTube. But we're playing football. Like at the end of the day, you've got to do the basics first and those things will come. You know, we're 10 and 9, uh, you know, we're a man or two men down against Chelsea and you're coming on and doing like Rabonas and flicks and coif turns and shit like that. And they're like, come on, man, get serious. But I do think Emerson is a decent player. Does he fit the way Tottenham want to play now and the model and the way we want to move forward? No, he doesn't. So he is someone that we're going to have to move on. But it takes time. You can't literally change the whole squad in the summer, unless you're Chelsea, of course. And even then, it doesn't work because for cohesive and, and, you know, you need some sort of stability and balance. But yeah, Emerson's a decent player in moments again. But can you trust him for a full 38 you know, game season? And can you rely on him week in and week out? I don't know. Those things are yet to be seen. But, yeah, I think some of these guys just need to, I would say, revert back to basics. But some of their basics isn't good enough. Like, with, yeah. with what I and all them did, they, when they did go back to basics, you saw how rubbish we were. And a lot of people said it in the comments, and it's a good point. We didn't play Angeball against Wolves. That right. was probably the worst game I've seen us play in terms of stylistically and tactically. We were just all over the shop. Yeah. And I don't know, the players just didn't believe in what was being said to them and they just wilted under pressure. And the fact, and Molyneux smelt blood, the Wolves players smelt blood and ultimately we crumbled and caved in. So I think, I hope, you know, with the guys that are there right now training with Ange, I just hope that they believe in what he's saying because when the guys do listen to Ange and buy into his philosophies, we're a fantastic team. But if some of them start wilting and, and, and not following instructions, then it, obviously it can all go to pot. I think I think as well, like I think um again, it just comes back to the Madison point. Madison started the press a lot. You know, he yes. was really there was at times where he yeah. was like ahead of Son, sort of hunting down fullbacks for the ball. And again, I think it goes back to that the point that we both made. When you play that Hoybier Bissou Massar, you don't have that person doing that. 
you've got three who, are, you know, Basuma isn't defensive. He is more, they're all slightly more defensive minded, aren't they? So they're not that, whereas Madison is like, he's, he's right up pressing high and that sort of moves everybody up the pitch. And I think you need to try to replicate that with, with the team that you play against Villa. And also, Adam, going on to that, even though people don't give Richarlison his credit, he's another guy that pushes and presses yeah, from yeah, the yeah. front. He's another guy that helps us win the ball very high up the pitch. And then, you know, again, Richarlison divides opinions. Sometimes I really like him. Sometimes he pisses me off. But at the end of the day, he's got, what, three assists and one goal this season. So he was contributing. And there was a lot of times when he was in good phases and good. he should have got more goals as well, of course. But, yeah, we've lost a lot of players all of a sudden. And it has made a big difference in how we play. Because Madison and Richarlison do press from the front. Because you saw it against um, uh, Wolves. Son was pushing up and pressing. And he looked around. He's like, what's going on? Why are you not helping me? And it's just the team wasn't on the same wavelength. And obviously, yeah, it ended up costing us. I'm really glad, Pat, you did bring up Richarlison then. That was kind of a nice segue into my next part. I mean, we have seen during this international break, Richarlison has been linked with a move to Saudi Arabia ahead of the January transfer window, which again is looming now. We are, what, six weeks away from that window reopening. A player that I think we can all say, in look, we've already been on say, in the most frankest of way, hasn't really set alive the price tag that Spurs paid for him, which, again, you know, we've heard during this window or of the last couple of weeks that Spurs maybe have got him on a fairly cheaper deal given Everton's situation where, of course, they've been deducted 10 points. A pot of people, I must say, because that may change in these next few days or few weeks. I wonder, Ads, Richarlison and what the future looks like for him, given these links now coming out from the Telegraph over a potential move to Saudi. It appears Spurs are shutting those down. Richardson's shutting them down as well. Do you see a player in there that can realistically still make it in a Spurs shirt? Or have you already lost a lot of hope in what was a lot of promise that this player would come in and be able to contribute to Spurs' front line? I just don't think he's good enough, basically. I just he he, he works really hard. Um but his finishing is terrible. He's always falling over when he hits the ball. He never cleans it, he never like hits the ball clean. He's always like slipping or sliding or, you know, just just doesn't connect with it. I, I, I quite like him like with 20 minutes to go. And I think that's when he made his biggest impression back end of last season under Conte when he came on for like 20 minutes, half an hour, because as Pat said before, he, he does work really, really hard. But actually in a game, you know, the games that he did start this season, you just felt when we were in, in a really good period of games he was the one that always sort of let 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 us down. Not let us down as in let us down where we, but you know, the final ball would, would go to him and his shot wouldn't be good enough. You'd ex- expect it to be more. And I, I, I don't know. I just, he's not, I don't quite, I don't quite, he's, I don't see where he's going to play. And I think he's going to be the type of player that wants to, that <laughs> he wants to be the type of player that, um, that I think wants to start. And frankly, if you can sell into Saudi and maybe get you know your money back and probably a little bit more, then you could reinvest that quite well. Um, it's whether yeah. he would go. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know whether he would go to Saudi. He's only like twenty five or twenty six, isn't he? So mm. he's still relatively young. Um, yeah, I just find him frustrating. You know, it's, it's especially when you've watched like a striker like Kane, who who who. who 
was deadly and then Richarlison comes in and it's like you know he's finishing so so poor in, in comparison we keep saying don't we the fact of you know confidence players for me he's another one that looks really much that he needs the confidence of the manager which I've got to say to be fair I think Ange has given him that confidence you know every time he's played and just shown no signs of you know throwing him under a bus in terms of having opportunities and not taking them you know Pat we've watched this guy now for a sustained period at Tottenham and, you know, quite frankly, the goal return isn't anywhere near, you know, what it needs to be. I know many are questioning the fact, you know, we didn't pay 60 million for a sub. You know, it's harsh. Some may feel we need to move Richarlison on. And I think again, January, depending again, I think with the options out there, what I don't think we can do, and again, people might laugh at this given the goal return, is I don't think we can let Richarlison go and not get in some form of as an alternative replacement. I think Spurs would have to bring somebody in that front line if they are going to let Richarlison go. I know that we're already seeing what the promise of, Jen- of Brennan Johnson is. He got his goal, of course, against Wolves. I think we can all see there's a real genuine player in there. Is it fair for me to, Pat, to ask you the question, how disappointed you've been with Richarlison and whether it's just been due to injuries and what's happened in Brazil? And also, we can't forget, got a lot of stuff going on personally, which, you know, again, seeing the Deli Alley situation and his story play out, I think we can't get away from the fact that mental health plays a massive, massive role in players' lives. And there's no doubt, again, that has seemed to affect Richarlison. And we haven't seen the best of him in a Spurs shirt. But again, I have to remind, you know, fans out there, viewers, listeners, this guy, I think it's a maximum, got 15 goals at Everton. I think that was his best turn around in terms of a go- in terms of a season. So he was never going to come in and be a 30-goal man, especially given the limitations of the time he has had so far. Pat, will he make it in a Spurs shirt for you, Richarlison? I honestly don't know. You know, like last season, um, like for me, the jury's still out and I'm really divided and torn on it. My answer would change weekly depending on the last game and how he plays because, I mean, someone put a comment up and um, respect, so I forgot your name. I literally saw it about we didn't pay £60 million for a sub. I think we as fans need to change our mentality. At the end of the day, if we want a better squad, and we want more quality, then some of these subs will cost 40, 50, 60 million. Because at the end of the day, as you bring in better quality, you've got guys fighting for places. And if that's Brennan Johnson, who costs 45, 50 million, or it's uh, Richarlison at 60, I don't mind about that. I don't mind as long as they're bringing something to the team. And with Richarlison, sometimes he is bringing something and you see it, and other games he's not. Like Luton away, he was absolutely diabolical. And those two missed chances in the first half could have cost us. Like, we should have been home and dry before Basuma got sent off. Obviously, we weren't, you know, Mickey van der Ven saved our asses in that game. Fantastic. We won the game. But someone who's starting against a team like Luton, with all due respect, and you cost 60 million, you should be burying those chances. Because uh, even Mickey van der Ven, he's a centre back. He had a, his his chance was harder than uh, than than Charlison's, and he buried it because he's a professional player and he should be able to find the target with obviously a bit of power and whatever. But sometimes I watch him and I think he's fantastic. Like the the performance against Marseille at home in the Champions League where he got a brace and he was unplayable. There's other times. I mean Chelsea at home or was it away last year? He was really good. Uh, no, it's a Chelsea at home last year. Chelsea away. Sorry, it's Chelsea away. Last year, he was fantastic when he came on. There's been times when he's been really good. But again, it's too few and far between. Um, I like him. I like him as a person. I like him as a player. But sorry, I like parts of him. But yeah, if you if we're being brutally honest and we're, if we're judging into the same standards I judge everybody by, because when I'm being harsh on Hoiberg 
or Eric Dyer or Ben Davis, I should I should ultimately be as harsh on Richarlison. And yes, he's had his personal problems as well. I do get that. But if we want to succeed as a club and take it to the next level, we need to judge everybody by the same standards and hold them to the same account. And ultimately, he hasn't been good enough. I did say I was going to allow him this season and then really, you know, decide what I think. The season's still young. Um, three assists and a goal isn't the worst of returns, but we do understand that he's missed a lot of chances and there's been moments where he hasn't been nowhere near as good as he should be. Uh, unfortunately, again, it seems to be that he's been carrying injuries and knocks. He's, he's at, the, at the moment he's out, so we're going to have to see how when he returns how he is. He's still got a long way of the season left to prove himself, but if we were to judge him right now, I would say he hasn't been good enough, not not nowhere near good enough. But there is still time to turn things around. And sometimes as well, it takes time. Sometimes some of these guys are slow burners. Moussa Dembele was a perfect example of that. Um, you know, uh, Gareth Bale. And I know, obviously, some may laugh and snigger, but my point is not, not everybody comes in and hits the ground running. Not everyone's as blessed to be a, a Mickey van der Ven or, or a James Madison. Some of these guys take a year, two years, two and a half years. So I've still got my fingers crossed. I do hope that he has some sort of impact this season because we are going to need him. But as things stand right now, no, he hasn't been good enough. But there is something in there. I do see it sometimes. And I'm just hoping we can see it more often than not. The thing is, um, Ange Postacoglu has trusted him and he's given him start after start and he's given him good minutes. So hopefully when he comes back, he can return the favour to the fans and to the manager and, and, and really push on. You know, someone in his position should be getting at least 10 goals and five assists this season. And realistically, he should be aiming for about 15 and 5. Uh, yeah, if we yeah. really want to hit the numbers that we want to, Kuliseski needs to get at least 15 to 17 goal involvements in terms of goals and assists. Someone like Richarlison should be hitting 15. So, um, you know, fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. Yeah, look, I do agree. I think it'll be interesting to see again how January does play out for Richarlison because I just wonder if a big offer comes in for Tottenham, if they will be tempted given the fact, look, it looked like they got them a cut price at the time when obviously they clinched him from Everton. So it's one we'll keep an eye on. What we are going to do, we are going to go for our final break of the show for our listeners on audio. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organisations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions but also how to benchmark train and retain them phoenix 51 powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey hello this is russ williams from the last word on spurs and i just wanted to tell you about my brand new book sad but true 100 sad but true stories from around the world like chinese marathon runner 50 year old uncle chen who competed in a local marathon race and chain smoked cigarettes the entire way round he finished the race in a very respectable three hours and 28 minutes and from south wales the story of leon gleed who burned his bum when he used tesco toilet cleaning wipes instead of normal toilet paper no permanent damage was done sad but true don't go to the loo without it out now on amazon kindle thank you so much for all your incredible support for the show um we are coming to the point of season expectations which gives me the perfect opportunity as adam there configured his wi-fi to remind you of what pat told us 
what was it now, Pat? Three, four months ago, when I asked Pat for his prediction as to where Spurs would finish in the Premier League. Now, it is worth me emphasising before I play this that at the time, this was before a ball had been kicked under Ange Postacoglu and the Harry Kane speculation was rife. So we're going to play you Pat's initial prediction of where he expected Spurs to finish when he was asked that question before the start of the season. I think I feel we're ready. Um, I've actually got us down as ninth. Uh, I've played it safe. So I've got Man City first, Arsenal second, Liverpool third, Man United fourth, Newcastle fifth, Chelsea sixth, Villa seventh, Brighton eighth, Tottenham ninth. So a bit, a bit, a bit of tongue in cheek. So let's I'm, just I'm, glad, I'm glad, Pat, I'm glad I did go with you first. Listen, <laughs> all I'm saying is that this season, for me, I've got no expectations. I really want to see a good brand of football. I want to see some of the youngsters get pushed through. So your SARS, your skips, dare I say it, uh, your your dojis, um, you know, and I just want to see us enjoy ourselves. And if we finish higher than that, fantastic. But I'm not going to come and say we are finished fourth, fifth. It's a, it's a big ask. There's some good teams in the Premier League, you know, City, Arsenal, Man United, Newcastle, Liverpool, definitely better than us right now. The rest... It's touch and go. Chelsea, I don't know. Aston Villa, I'm not sure. Even, you know, the fact that they've got European football as well and we don't. But I've just got to be realistic. New manager, new goalkeeper, new back line. Kane, the, is he staying? Is he going? I've put that all into contention. So, yeah, I've put us ninth. Well, listen, Pat, I think Patrick. on that basis, the only way's up. It's interesting, isn't it? Because again, like I say, when we look back now and we reflect on predictions as to what was coming, again, I think we have to put into the melting pot that at that time, as Pat, you rightly alluded to, we wasn't too sure what was happening in regards to Harry Kane's future, how Spurs would start the season. I mean, given the fact that we're fast forwarding to November, isn't it interesting the way in which I'm sure, Pat, you would have been delighted that they've, at the moment, it appears maybe changed your mind on how they've started. Um, look, we'll start with Pat. We'll come over to Adam. Pat, Obviously, on the back of the fact that it was a ninth prediction from you, I suppose, give us your first reaction to that, watching that back now from two, three months ago. Yeah, so that was that was recorded on the 8th of August, I believe. 8th or 9th of August, so before the season kicked off. We kicked off against Brentford away around about the 13th of August. So, like I said, this was before a ball had been kicked. We had the whole Harry Kane, is he going, isn't he going? And to be fair, when I listen back to it, it's a bit funny, but I also stand by what I said then. I mean... We had a new manager. No one understood or envisioned how he would be. Like I said, Yadoji and Saar, I wanted to see them come in. I wanted to see a good brand of football. I think for me, I was there's so many moving parts and I didn't know enough about the team. And also I was traumatised after last year when I thought that we would, you know, we finished fourth. We had a fantastic end to the season. Conte strengthened and I thought we would push on, finish at least third and win something. And then for us to absolutely fall off a cliff the way we did and self-implode and capitulate, it kind of scarred me. And so I just didn't want to then come in and say, oh, yeah, I still think we're finishing the top four, top six, when we had so many question marks over our team. So I stand by what I said. Of course, now things look a lot different. And thank God, man, because I didn't want us to finish ninth, but I was just calling it how I saw it. And, um, you know, after that clip, like the next part was me justifying why I thought Aston Villa because Jason for some reason he was so concerned about the Aston Villa part he's like Villa Villa will finish above us and I was like yeah they're a good 
team. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they got a fantastic manager. Unai Emery is one of the best managers in Europe. Let's have it yes. right. I he don't is. know why yeah. people disrespect him so much. He's a fantastic manager. They scored the second most amount of goals in the Premier League this year. He's a brilliant manager. And the fact is, they're one point behind us right now. So, again, like some of the stuff people might be like, oh, my God, you said. But if you break it down and take into what I'm saying, it makes sense. And you can kind of see where I'm coming from. But listen, I get things wrong. The thing is, I'm, I come out here and I'm brave enough to say what I think and feel. But I'm also happy enough to say that sometimes I'm wrong. And thank God I'm wrong right now. But the season is still not over. I mean, we're still, you know, there's still a long, long way to go. I yeah. don't think we're finished ninth. But as, as great as it is right now, I mean, a couple of more slips and slides and we could be down there and you just never know, innit? It could be tight. But yeah, I thank God I'm wrong right now. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh I've got to say, Pat. Again, you know, many on the again comments here as we you know we do this show live. Many again are sharing their concerns that you know you look at the next couple of fixtures, it could be tight and tough for Tottenham. You know, and again we look at that you know towards the top of the league and you know where Spurs are situated. There is a cluster of clubs there, as you've rightly mentioned, that are in and around Tottenham. And quite frankly, a couple of bad results do push you down the league. But let's hope that isn't the case. Um, Ads, let's come over to you. I think again we last spoke with you just before the window had been shut in. I will ask you guys the thoughts on the window before we close this show. Um, I think at the time, as you were fairly optimistic, you felt if Spurs, as we kept on saying, would keep you know the team, the 11, 12, 13 players fit, fourth could still potentially be a realistic place. Looking back at that now, Ad, do you still maintain that your mindset that that can be achieved this season and beyond that, if we get potentially Van der Ven, Madison back January-wise and we get no further knocks and we do strengthen in January? I mean, the th the theme about football is consistency, isn't it? And Villa are a good team, Brighton are a good team, you know, Newcastle are a good team, but they've all got Europe. And I I I I, I think over the course of a season, we, we will be more consistent than a team like Brighton and Villa, because I think we're further down. Well, they've got a new manager, we've got more experienced players, and and. You know, the reality is last season we were third at one point, you know, and, and we fell away and we capitulated. No one's really consistent now. So I think, you know, you, you, you know you've know, you got to expect that we'll definitely be in the top six. I'd be amazed if we were outside the top six. I'd be disappointed if we didn't finish in the top four. Who's really been consistent this season? Really, really consistent. Well, no one's been mega consistent. If we hadn't had all of the injuries, you know, in, in that game the other week, we, we could be in a completely different situation. We could be sitting here having been being unbeaten in our opening, what, 12 games it would have been. You know, the, the Chelsea game, we were unbelievable for the first 25 minutes. So, you know, I, I'm I, I, we need to ride, ride, ride this out. As I said, for me, it, you know, I've, I've said it a couple of times now, but it goes back to that Villa, Villa game. If we don't beat Villa, then we're on like a three-game bad run. And then confidence will dip and stuff will get into the players' minds about shit, maybe with no Madison. But actually, if you beat them, then actually it's only one blip of a result, which was the Wolves game, given what happened in the Chelsea game. City's a free hit, and then you've got to win your home games. So you've got, yeah. you've got to go through these, these, these next few games. But, you know, everyone said we've got a really good eleven, And I think I said at the time, we've got, a, we've got more than that. In my view, I felt we were stronger in goal. I thought we had better fullbacks this season than last season and had a lot of depth. And I thought our attack 
had more players to it, although we lost Kane. We had more players. If you include Perisic and Solomon and Richarlison, who were all out, we, got, we had like six front players. And then I said in centre midfield, we, we, we're actually much stronger now with Lo Celso, Bentinker, Madison, Saar, Basuma, Hoybieg, Skip. There's, there's a lot. It's not, it's not that thin. It's just in a couple of key areas, we, we are light, centre-back being the main one. So, you know, you listed all of those players that are out. That's like seven players or something. It was, it was a lot of yep. players. Yep. So, yes, I think we can finish the top four um, unless unless we if we don't beat Villa and then we go to City, which is a difficult one, then 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 I'd start getting worried and then you know then you yeah you might you might feel worried but I, I don't think that's the case. I think we're I think we're a good team and I think home to Villa I can improve it. Yeah yeah it's interesting again what you guys say there feels like a lot is riding on that Villa game and I think Pat just to come back on the point you made there I think Unai Emery is for me one of the best managers not in the Premier League but you've got to say Europe you know the guy has won European trophies back to back you know and I think again Villa it looks like a real cooner, doesn't it? I mean, Pat, I'll let you come back on this point that, you know, to have actually obtain a manager of that class, you can probably understand now why Newcastle were really, really keen in bringing him in at the time and when Eddie Howe as well was sniffing around the job and it appeared that Emery had turned them down. I mean, looking back at it now, Villa getting Emery has been a really, really good, you know, managerial appointment for them. I think when you look at the points taken since his appointment, I think he's right up there believe it or not, I think behind potentially Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool in relation to points taken, that tells you just how good he is. And ultimately, yeah, again, as a manager, you can't deny the fact Villa have no doubt one of the best home records in the Premier League. I think away from is where they have dipped. I think, again, you know, it'll be interesting to see, obviously, the sides that are around us. You know, we talk about the likes of the Brightons, uh, the Manchester Uniteds that are around us, and the fact that a lot of these teams now, the impact, Pat, that I think we have to pick up on is the fact that European football has impacted sides. I mentioned Brighton being one of them. Brighton have really struggled to kind of string together two, three wins consistently. And I think that is obviously an area, Pat, where I think, again, at the time you're making your prediction, it's those teams there that Spurs do need to hope they do go for a period of not getting results to then obviously change those predictions that we talk about and get further up the league. And I think, again, as Adam says, they're so important, Pat, we ride these injuries through. And I think, as we've all said, we've got to get something in these next two, three games so it doesn't allow the team's momentum to drop, right? Yeah, I mean, Villa was essentially so early in the season, but that's a six-pointer because they will be fighting for fourth place with us. I agree. They totally are that good. And we need to obviously get points on the board and stop them getting points. So it's essentially a six-pointer. And um, it's funny because when I said these predictions back then, I think a lot of people, and not just Spurs fans, across the nation, they disrespect and sleep on Villa. But Unai Emery, like you said, Ricky, is one of the best managers in Europe. The fact that he's come in and Villa were in a relegation zone, they were, they were struggling. And he's implemented a brand of football. The recruitment's been really good. And essentially, he's improved a lot of the players. McGinn looks much better. Watkins is now one of the best strikers in the league. They bought in Diaby. They bought in Pau Torres. They're a real good team. Um, I do think man for man and pound for pound, we are better than them. Uh, but obviously, when we have a lot of players out and they are riding a wave, they're dangerous. Their home form is the joint best in the league. That's how good they are. They've got 18 points, just like Liverpool. Arsenal got 17 points. Man City have got 15 
Spurs, ironically, even though you wouldn't think it, because like for me, whenever I go to the home games, I feel it's a fortress. But our home form isn't that good. We're seventh on 12 points. But then you look at the Chelsea game and that was literally on a knife edge. It could have went either way. Not because we've played the fewest games. Though. Yeah, maybe as well. That could be. And again, like the, the Chelsea one, we threw that away. That was essentially ours. And it was in the bag for us. And then we just literally lost our heads. And we all know what happened there. But we've got the best away form in the league with 14 points. And Man City and second and 13. Chelsea, funny enough, are uh, a third with 10. And again, we threw the Wolves game away. So we should have at least had one more point there. So it's chalk and cheese. So we're the best away team. They're the best at home team. But obviously, we're playing at home. They're playing away. <laughs> and there's one point in it. They're a good team. Um, they're going to give us a stern test. Uh, a lot of these players have got to step up. Uh, and going back to my predictions now, I do feel that we will finish in the top four. I feel I've seen enough of this team now especially when we have obviously have players back. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we, we strengthen one or two components in January. But I've seen enough to know the brand of football, the players that we've brought in, the recruitment's been really good. Ange Postacoglu is a manager I do believe in. He's got to learn as well, obviously. Some, some of the moments I did think there was a bit of naivety against Wolves. But again, he's learning. And against Fulham, um, I'm so disappointed we threw that one away. I know people said he had to test the team out and yada yada. But the Carabao Cup for me, we shouldn't have crushed out that early. But anyway, you know, we, we you know, you've got to live and learn. I do feel that I think as well that City, Arsenal, Liverpool, uh, and people may, you know, obviously it's Arsenal. I hate to say it. I feel right now they're a cut above us over the course of a 38 game season. And I think those three teams will be fighting for the league. And it will be very tight between them. I think we'll comfortably finish fourth, but there will be a gap between first, second, and third, and us in fourth. And then after that, I do think it will be your Liverpool, uh, sorry, your Newcastle's, your Aston Villas, and your Brighton's. I feel we'll be more consistent over the course of the season, like Adam said. I think consistency is key. I've seen enough in our performances to know we are a consistent team when we get going. Uh, they've got Europe as well. Some of them are still in cups, like Newcastle is stretched quite thin now. And also as well, I've got to factor in, the same way we've had injuries, these teams will have injuries. Newcastle have got a few injuries. Aston Villa won't go the whole season without key players getting injured. And neither will other teams. It happens. It's football. Injuries and suspensions will catch all of us. Ours has happened now. We just hope that once we get past this January bit, we can then push on and other teams will have it. And we've already suffered it. Maybe it's better to have it early and then address it before a window than to have it after a window or when you can't address it. So hopefully this is it. This is our blip. Even if we lose, dare I say, another one or two in this one, then we get over it and go again. So, yeah, things have changed. My feelings and, and obviously my um, optimism on the team has changed. But, yeah, when 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 I predicted that, we were in a dark place, man. People was... don't want to admit it, but we were. We were fucked. Wait, was the, was... It, was, it, was, it was the unknown, Pat. We were yeah, going to the Kane, unknown. Wasn't, yeah. Kane didn't want to commit. And I come out on here and I said, the reason why I love Son is because Son, as soon as there was a rumour, he shut it down. Ultimately, yeah. Kane did want to leave and he left. So Kane didn't want to commit. We didn't know what was going to happen with the manager. We were linked to X, Y and Z. In the end, we got Ange Postacoglu. We didn't know how, you know, I wanted David Rea. We got Vicario. Thank God we can see mm. that Vicario won. There was a lot of moving parts and I wasn't sure. But yeah. things are definitely feeling better now. But like Adam said, we need to stop the rot yeah. right now and beat Villa. Totally. One final question I'll ask you both. And I know, again, it's not here right now, but it is on the horizon. It is the January transfer window. And look, again, if we look back at Spurs' previous January transfer windows, they've left it fairly late to bring in players. You look at the fact that last January, we went to the deadline to bring in Pedro Porro. Before that, 
we did the same again with regards to bringing in Rodrigo Bentoncourt and, of course, Diane Kulisevsky. I think given the feeling of where we are right now and the highlight of importance there is to get Mickey van der Ven and James Madison back into this team, Ad, do you think, given where Spurs are right now and those glaring misses there in the squad, there will be much more an acceleration this January and we will do our business earlier rather than later? Because I know there is fear mongering out there that several high-profile reporters have seemed to indicate that there's not a huge amount of money for Spurs to spend, but there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of money every January, really, for the football club. It's a difficult window, as you know as well, being in football, to get business done in that month. What do you realistically think Ad Spurs can get out of that month that's going to really help the squad in terms of at that point and to the end of the season? I don't think... Um, I don't think I don't think we'll do a lot because I don't you know I think and just said that it's a process he did make a comment a couple of weeks ago that I think he said regardless of the injuries I think he said after the Chelsea game you know we've got a plan as to what we want to do sort of implying that we're not going to be panic buying but I think he did sort of say he wanted to do business early um, but we know that doesn't always happen at Tottenham right Um, I'd be surprised if we got more than one like a centre-back, because I'm not quite sure where... You're not going to buy an attacking midfielder for the sake of it because Madison's injured when you've got these players. And I think think it's going to be more of a case of, right, where are the areas that we need to strengthen regardless of these injuries? So you'd assume it's going to definitely be a centre-back. I I don't think we... I don't think we'll sign a striker. Um, January is really difficult, you know, People, teams don't like getting rid of their best players and selling a centre-back or a striker, unless you pay big money, teams don't want to do because they're really, really important positions. So, you know, we don't really need central midfielders. We're not going to buy full-backs. You'd think that the positions that we want to improve on would be summer positions when you get players out. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a few players leaving, the ones that haven't had a look in at all, and, a cent- and just a centre-back and maybe another come in to strengthen that, because that's where we're weak, really. Yep. You're not, not going like, to turn over loads of players in January, is what I mean. You know, no, of course. Of this season, yeah. we say, right, I want to get rid of maybe Emerson, Davis, Dyer, and maybe a couple of others, but there'll be summer jobs. Now it will be like, right, what can I do in January to make us stronger for the second half of the season? So I think you'd, you'd assume it's definitely a centre-back, which was needed regardless, and then maybe like another. Yeah. Can I ask you, Ad, you say the centre-back there. I mean, the one name that's been consistently linked with Tottenham over the course of the last three, four months, even when the window did shut, was Lloyd Kelly, one yeah. that's been linked with Tottenham on deadline day. Look, looks a year, again, fairly decent prospect on paper. I think he's in his last three, four months of his contract at Bournemouth. It's one that, obviously, for Bournemouth, represents an opportunity for them to get a fee before, of course, his contract expires. I just wonder, from your perspective, I'm not saying to claim you've watched him every week or known the player really well, but is that good enough, that level, in terms of being able to come in and be there as a solid backup in comparison <clears throat> to what Tottenham have got in reserve at the moment? Well, he's playing. We haven't got anyone in reserve at the minute. 
<laughs> so, so he's I mean, playing. I, I, I suppose my question is, is that level good enough? I mean, again, I'm not expecting to drop, I'm not, I'm not expecting Spurs to go into January and drop 75 million on tap sober. You know, Mickey van der Ven is clearly their priority signing. It was the one they wanted out of the two. I think many would have loved to have seen two centre-backs of equal quality. I think I'm getting to the point of, is that calibre player sitting well with you enough or do they need to go of a higher level in your opinion? I think, I, I think I've said, look, you obviously want them to always go higher and, uh, but you know, we're never going to do that. And we're never going to drop 70 million on, on a defender. I, I, I'm always of the opinion and I, I pretty see enough over the summer. I'm probably the last two or three windows that I'll trust their judgment, you know, be, and, and you know, Vicario, everyone's cried about signing him over Raya. You know, I, I, I've not seen much of the, the, the guys at Bournemouth. If they've scouted him, if Ange wants him, he says he decides on what players he wants. If they all decide on it, then so be it. He'll be the person and he'll come in. But, you know, he, he, he he's he's the manager and he decides the players he wants. He's been, been quite clear on that. And if the clubs want to buy them, then I'd always just rather wait and see who we buy, watch how they play and make a decision rather than, sitting there going, I oh, played for Bournemouth or this or that or whoever it might be and we should be getting world-class players because you've seen that with, you know, you, you, you can go for everybody. People said Benton Kerr and Kulazewski were chucked out by Juventus and not playing and Doggy was at Genoa. The keeper was at Empoli. You know, none, none of these are big high-profile players. You, you can buy good players. You don't have to always buy good players from top clubs. You know, look where Basuma came from. All the yep. guys that come through Brighton. You know, they don't they don't buy big name players; they create them. So, you know, play, Madison came from a relegated Leicester team. So, yep. it doesn't really matter where the player comes from if they if, if they're using this data and they're using the scouts and and wants them. Then I'm happy to wait and see. Okay, Pat, let's close with you on this point as well. Uh, I think it's important to say again. You know, it's a fairly newish recruitment side that's in there now. Obviously, Johan Lange is in there along with Rob McKenzie as well. And the fact of the matter is now for Tottenham, it's a bit of a restructure, a bit of a rebuild. We know Paratigi is still on the scene. For those that I know they love Paratigi, still cooking somewhere in the background. I just wonder, Pat, for you, how important is it, in your opinion, Spurs do act early, do act decisively, do move quickly, given the fact that I think it's clear for all of us to see. We are reliant, in my opinion, upon 14, 15 players, which arguably you'd say it's not enough if you do want to sustain, you know, potentially an FA Cup run that comes in in January as well. Plus, of course, you've got games in around Christmas, which please God Spurs are hopefully going to be competitive in and still going to be in and around the top. How important, Pat, in your opinion, is that Spurs do act early, do act, sorry, do act early, do act decisively at the start of that January window? Oh, it's imperative, man. It's crucial because, like, look at Pedro Povo. We literally wasted a whole month and everyone knew we wanted him. They said set the price. They weren't going to barge. We were messing around. And we literally wasted, you know, a whole month, which could be four or five fixtures. With us being so, you know, bare bones, uh, so thin at the back in terms of centre-backs, we need to get our options in early. Hopefully, we're doing all the groundwork now so we can just strike as soon as January window opens and get in whoever it is, a Lloyd Kelly or whoever. I mean, we also have to be realistic. And to be fair, like Adam said, I, I now trust the recruitment team. So if they're saying that Lloyd Kelly is the guy they want in, of course, you may have your reservations about certain players. But um, I've seen enough to say, you know what, these guys kind of know what they're doing. You know, like uh, Yadoji, um, Vicario, 
Brennan Johnson, all these guys have come in and added something to the team. So I'm happy to say, yeah, cool. If that's who they target and if that's who Andrew wants, I'm happy to sit back and just allow it to to come into fruition because you always see on Twitter people moaning and they moan about the calibre of the guy and this and that. But we also have to be realistic in a sense of are we going to be able to go and attract a top centre-back from a top club who knows if Mickey van der Ven and Romero are fit, they're not going to play over them. Mickey van der Ven and Romero are probably two of the best centre-backs in Europe right now. They're that good. Uh, so anyone that comes in has to back themselves to try and displace one of those out of the team. And that's difficult. So uh, Lloyd Kelly as well, homegrown, that adds something to it. Good enough to come in and do a job when those guys are injured or out of form, but also as well, isn't really going to pull up trees if he's not starting week in and week out. So there's a there's a balancing act and we have to get that right as well. And people have to remember that when you're recruiting. So, you know, unless you're, and we're not in Europe as well, so we don't have the same amount of games that other teams do this season. So we've got to kind of play that. But yeah, um, in terms of he's better than the guys we've got at the moment, and it's a start, isn't it? And maybe in the summer we do recruit and go bigger. But hopefully then we've got the allure of Champions League football, European football. So you can attract the better players. And I know people will say when we had all of this, we didn't go out and attract these kind of players anyway. But hopefully things will change now with Ange in charge and maybe we're trying to go down a different model. So, yeah, I've got my faith in um, what they're doing. Uh, we definitely need someone. Hopefully they get it right. And um, it does need to be done, like you said, Vicky, as early in the window as possible to give us the chance of finishing as high as we can do. Because for me, every game or every day that we don't strike, we're potentially throwing away points. I do agree. Pat, thank you so much, mate. As always, love to have you back on. Pat, I know you've got a lot going on right now in terms of uh, what's going on in terms of your own podcasting. Pat, give us an info into what's happening as we look the closest one for you. Yeah, the only thing I'm going to shout out right now is my pod, Chatty Patty. So I've put it in the the description. So I've started that. You guys know I'm here, there and everywhere. But to be fair, I've kind of neglected my own thing. So I've started my podcast. It's called Chatty Patty. Just type in Patrick Tyron on on YouTube like you do with my Twitter handle, my Instagram handle, you'll find it. Subscribe, follow me. I'm probably going to load another pod tomorrow at some point. And yeah, I'm just having fun. Um, To be fair, I've just started. I'm already on about 400 odd subscribers. So you guys are doing well and you are subscribing, but we'd love to get to 500 soon as. Yeah, follow me. Short, sharp segments on Spurs. Just a bit of my personality, allow myself to talk a bit more and all of that. But yeah, man, Ricky, it's been a pleasure. And to all the last word on Spurs, gang, it was great partying with you guys on Thursday. All the people that we met at the Football Content Awards, it was great to see all of you lot there. Some of them say they watch the podcast week in and week out. So, you know, you've got to be careful because they're coming for us, Vicky. They're coming. They're watching. They're watching. <laughs> they are, mate. Matt, uh, Pat, thank you so much. On Matt, Matt, unfortunately, we lost Matt the technical issues. We wish Matt all the best. He'll be back with us very, very soon. Ads. We're going to close it with you, mate. Always a pleasure to have you on. I must say, many always ask me, can we get ads on more regularly? And I think the only sticking point for ads is, bless him, he's either at games, coming to and from games. He's got a busy life as well, bless him. So we always try and grab ads where we can during international breaks here, there and everywhere. We've got one next in January. I'm not sure if ads will duck that one because it's the transfer with them, but we'll try and get him back on. Uh, but ads, give us an insight. Anything you want to give a mention to what's happening in your life at the moment? No, just uh, run up to Christmas. I've been um talking so so last week i spoke at um a football and a sport tax event um on on helping footballers and sports people prepare for life after the game and then it was also on the same day at the european football agents association listening to them talk about the reduction in 
agency fees um, and how they're going to sustain their business. And next week, I'm talking at another uh, international sort of tax, financial planning and legal forum um, on how to deal with international footballers. So if there are any accountants or lawyers about and you're interested in sport, uh, Tuesday the 21st, there's an, there's an event. So if you're interested, contact me or that's it or not, because that might be really boring for some people. As well as footy involved, it's never boring. Mate, thank you so much. We look forward to having you back on. Hopefully we can try and get you back on during January. I know, again, love people, they, they love the fact that when you come on, the intelligence they get in terms of those football chats when it comes to agent chat and everything that goes around football. And like you said there, you know, when we speak about January, never an easy, easy market to get deals done at a speed in which players having to move family from one place to another in a very short period of time. So look, again, Ad, thank you so much. Pat, thank you so much. Guys, we're back with you. Uh, for Believe it or not, we're back with you for a very special show that me and Jason are bringing you later in the week with the author of the autobiography of Ange Postacoglu that we're really looking forward to dropping in these next couple of days before we build up as well to Aston Villa to come. It feels like a really, really big week ahead for Tottenham in store. Fingers crossed, no further injuries again. Guys, thank you so much for all your incredible support for now. This is all winning podcast for the wonderful Adam Osper, for the brilliant Patrick Tyrant. Guys, we've been the last one on Spurs. We urge you to keep safe, keep well. And as always, come on you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.